The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. And what a time it is to be a mixed martial arts fan, ladies and gentlemen. And I am really looking forward to the show because, yes... Five days after UFC 293, it's still real. Sean Strickland is the middleweight champion of the world. And now that we've had some time to digest this incredible story, let's react to the fallout of Saturday's pay-per-view event. We'll try to put things into context, into perspective. We'll try to make sense of the nonsensical. It's incredible. And joining me in this vi- in this venture, Mr. Hot Take, Mr. No Gray Area, the co-host of No Bets Bard, a man who after Saturday night called it a joyous night in the history of the sports. Jed Mishu, how are you, buddy? It was a joyous night, and I'm doing great. Um, still living in a world where Sean Strickland's your middleweight champion, uh, and it has gotten no less funny. Still hilarious that this is our reality, and I'm excited to talk about it today. Yes, and also on the panel this week, the man who joined us on the watch party for this memorable moment, the best theme song in MMA history this man holds. He's the social media director for MMAfighting.com. He's our friend and yours. You hear him and see him on the MMA Hour. He's main event Rick, New York Rick. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Um, Jed, Casey, great to see you. It's a blessed day. Beautiful another day here on this on this spinning rock. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to be chief support today. Um, I'm here to lend a hand to you guys who are the main event of this thing and uh, hopefully contribute in, in any way I can. So, yeah, happy Don't. to be here, thankful to be here, and uh, <laughs> just loving it. We're not doing chief support, not on this program. I can't control what goes on in the other programs, but it's not a thing. Stop trying to make fetch happen. 
<laughs> uh, real quick, we're going to make something happen on this show for the first time ever. We're going to do something for the live viewers. Uh, I'm adding a task for all of you. In case you are not aware of this, but I'm going to add a task to your pile as well. Uh, I want to try something a little different. If we get to the knockout round, which never, ever, ever happens on this show, I want the knockout round question to come from one of you who are watching this program right now. So put your best debatable question in the chat. Casey will choose the best one. We'll shout you out. We'll give you credit. And if we get that far, I want to be surprised by this question as well. So there you go. Now, let's get into it. And Jed, I'm going to start with you since I preference this at the top. Sean Strickland dominated Israel Adesanya on Saturday. A one-sided performance, Strickland with the massive upset. He's the freaking middleweight champion of the world, Jed. And you you started off on this, but I'm going to let you contextualize this a little bit more. Five days later, how does this all digest? What is your reaction to all of this five days later outside of it's still the funniest thing in the history of the sport? It's not the funniest thing, but it's in the top five. Um, I said that on fight night and I stand by it. I, I think that this is the third funniest fight I've ever watched. I've gone back and rewatched it. Um, and it is no less amusing each time out. Uh, number one, of course, being Kimbo Dada. That will probably never be supplanted as the funniest thing that's ever happened in a cage fight. Uh, and number two is uh, Ronda Rousey and <laughs> Holly Holm and all of the ancillary of that. But this is still right on up there. And that's not to say that um, this is bad or, or to make light of Sean Strickland's achievement. It was an incredible performance. You go back and watch it. Um, as like a lot of people have done this week, like a lot of people in the space, because all of us had the exact same opinion of, I don't really think Sean Strickland can do anything. And so you go back and you assess your priors and figure out where you went wrong and go back and you can watch and you can see like all of the things that Sean Strickland did really well and it's really impressive. And it doesn't change simply how funny it is to watch <laughs> Israel Adesanya, arguably the greatest striker in the history of the sport, certainly one of them, if not, you know, um, massively accomplished kickboxer in his like pre-MMA life, just gets beat by a dude with a teep kick and a jab and, and his weird marching like walk forward at him is just... It's the funniest thing. Um, I'm going to revisit this fight an infinite number of times because watching Israel Adesanya like simply be perplexed about what is happening and you can see his face being like, dude, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why am I not just melting this man? And instead he's just getting kicked to the body a bunch and eating some jabs and, and running around a lot. It's great. Um, terrific performance from Sean Strickland. Uh, I've written about uh, that this week for the site, though I actually don't know if that came out or not. I think there's a pretty good chance um, that this is just who Sean Strickland is. Um, like this isn't a – he had the best night of his life. Like he really just kind of fought like Sean Strickland fights and I think we all just missed how that could be troubling for Izzy. And I think more to the point, uh, this could be a bad sign for Izzy moving forward. But all of that's, you know, that comes years down the line for now. Just enjoy. Uh, Jack Slack uh, did a thing on his Patreon, if you're a member or if you're not. Jack Slack's great. Go do it. Uh, where he does like a breakdown of what Sean Strickland does. And it's incredible to show him like take still images of Sean Strickland, literally two for wanting hands. Like Izzy's lead hand and he just grabs it with both hands. 
it's like the weirdest shit I've ever seen in a cage fight. And it worked. It was awesome. I love this fight so very, very much. Yeah. And when we say this is funny, I, I'm with you, Jed. Like, this is not like we're not ragging on Strickland or Izzy or anything like that. It's just. It's not the same USB. kind of funny yeah. as Kimbo Dada. <laughs> no, you know? God, no, no. That's not, no, it's not true. What, what's funny about it is that these plans are made for, you know, Izzy to kind of showcase here. And then Sean Strickland just ruined everything and broke the rankings and broke the division and, in a lot of respects. It's incredible what happens he, when he, you have to pivot. He, like did this. It, he did it giving Izzy the fight he wants too. It's not like he came in and just like stuck him against the fence and clinched him and wrestled him. And like, Izzy didn't get to showcase. If you told Israel to Hey, Sean Strickland is going to shoot zero takedowns on you. He is going to spend the as long as you can, as long as it lasts on the feet in your face. I think Izzy would have thrown himself a parade. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to kill this guy. And instead, he got a boxing lesson. It's incredible. <laughs> New York Rick, this is a new world at 185 pounds. We live in this new universe. Five days later, how do you react to Sean? what Sean Strickland did on Saturday? Because it was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think I've had a lot of time to th – we're five days removed. I've had a lot, to, a lot of time to think about the fight. And unfortunately, I'm falling into a trap that I think is easy to fall into, but I can't escape it, which is to really focus more on what Israel Adesanya didn't do than, once, than what Sean Strickland did do um, because of the – amount of time we've spent with Israel Asanya because of his reign as champion, because of the legacy he's been able to establish. I can't escape the feeling that he left something on the table and feeling like a rematch goes differently. And naturally, I feel like that's been a situation that people have been in many times. And sometimes that rematch doesn't go differently, or sometimes it actually goes worse. Sometimes Leon Edwards completely pieces up Kamaru Usman, and it's not four rounds of domination first. Sometimes the elevation was a factor. Um, so yeah, I, I, unfortunately I can't divorce myself of the idea that like the absolute worst version of Israel Adesanya showed up that night. Now I'm not ignorant enough to think that Sean Strickland did not fight a great fight. Um, but I kind of lean where Jed is, where I don't think that this was like a particularly spectacular performance for him. It was just what Sean Strickland does. And that was good enough to beat Israel Adesanya, which is an impressive feat in its own. Um, but I do tend to find myself, and it also is compounded by the fact that we haven't really heard from him. He did that one-minute media um, address where he just basically handed the baton to Eugene Berriman and said, I'm going to go hang out with my family. So all the mystery around it, what were the circumstances heading into the fight, we kind of are, are still wondering those things, and that's where my mind naturally goes. But it would be a disservice not to credit Sean Strickland for the, for the performance that he had. He was perfect. He was checking kicks in a way that I don't think pe many people expected him to do early. And he capitalized on an opportunity that was in front of him in a major way. He was the A side of this fight all fight week. Like there's no doubt about it. The people were there to see Sean Strickland. I think that's true of many, many of the people in the viewing public, but especially the people in Australia. And he delivered. He delivered in spades. So um, incredible performance. But I am still thinking like what what happened to Israel Asanya? That is where my head is at at the moment. And we'll we'll get to that in round two. It's just a much more patient Sean Strickland. Like you look at all of his past five round fights, least amount of strikes landed, least amount of strikes thrown. He was just still the same Sean, but he wasn't, I'm not going to say reckless, but he was a lot more patient, a lot more focused at the task at hand. 
But here's one thing I've been thinking about a lot, New York, Rick, because it was not that long ago that fans would comment on this show, on preview shows, post-fight shows, heck of a morning. When a Sean Strickland Apex main event was happening, it was met with size, honestly. Like, oh, man, another Sean Strickland-y middleweight main event. But now, New York, Rick... Sean Strickland is viewed in this whole different light, and he was viewed in that different light all fight week long. Like, what stands out to you the most about this title win and and how Sean is viewed now compared to where he was even at the beginning of the year when he stepped in for Nasruddin Imovov? Like, the preview show is heading into that fight. The, The Jack Hermanson fight, the Uriah Hall fight, compared to now heading into a fight, night and day. It's crazy. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think more of the development in that in that has happened outside the cage. More of the development on that front has just been him continuing to be who he is and being exposed more and connect, connecting with fans more. Because quite frankly, it really did look like a Sean Strickland performance. Like it was not, I don't think this is the one where all of a sudden people are going to be like, Sean Strickland is the most exciting fighter on the roster. Sean Strickland is doing things in that way. We've seen Israel Adesanya, who's capable of the absolute, like most high level highlight reel finishes possible also come out there and just stand in front of uh, Yoel Romero and have a staring contest with him. So I think there's just uh, there, there's there's always going to be criticism from people who are not getting these pure, clean knockouts. Um, and I don't think Sean Strickland is that guy, even though he definitely um, had Israel Adesanya on the ropes in round one. But it's kind of the same. And I don't think it has to do with people all of a sudden connecting with his fighting style, which as Jed outlined earlier, like you're kind of plotting forward, you're, you're using your jab and and that's basically what he does. It's very meat and potatoes. It's very middleweighty as you guys have kind of coined it. Um, so I'm not sure that the style has really drastically changed. I'm not sure that there's more people who are, are identifying with the style. If this was a fight against Joe Schmo and not a championship fight against Israel Adesanya, they might've been saying the same things about, Oh geez, another Sean Strickland main event. But what he has done is when he gets a microphone in his face or when he's doing an interview with somebody, or when he's on his social media, he's continuing to show a personality that it seems like MMA fans want to connect with and wider fans, not just MMA fans. It seems like there's, there's a, there's, people that want to be part of what Sean Strickland is building. And that I think is the big difference. That is where I think the support comes from and not necessarily all of a sudden Sean Strickland is a more exciting athlete. Jay, what, what do you think about this? Because you're one of the guys going back to those old preview shows like, Oh, it's just going to be a Sean Strickland fight. And then he's going to say a bunch of things that we're going to react to. But one thing, and look, we, we will say things about the UFC and things they do wrong, but we'll also say things they did right. They, did the best they could to humanize Sean Strickland all week. And if you watch some of the promos heading into the fight, like they talked about his childhood and they talked about some of the things he went through growing up and the motorcycle accident. And they almost like they humanized him in a different way where people got to see him in a different light. So just thinking about how fans viewed Sean Strickland as a fighter, even back in January to where he's at now, what have you made of this? Because I mean, winning a belt is great, but even the excitement levels heading into the fight, by the time we got to Friday into Saturday, like, there were at least vibes in the air where Sean Strickland at least made this much more interesting and much more exciting for people to be like, Oh man, Sean Strickland's going to get in there and fight. And it's people weren't like sighing and being completely down on it. Like they were earlier this year. And before that. Well, look, um, context matters a lot. And I think it has less to do with promotion or anything like that. And it's, uh, in January, Sean Strickland was coming off of, pretty whatever fight against Jared Cannonier, and 
the fourth funniest fight I've ever seen um, where he just walked into Alex Pereira's um, just punching his head right off his shoulders. So I think like that you're as good as your last fight. Right. And uh, that's true for everybody. And then prior to that, it's not like Sean Strickland has this big, long history of exciting fights. His fights have pretty much been the same thing. Like he is a decision machine for the most part. Um, and you know, January comes along and he's, he's taking a one month layoff from the, the cannoneer forgettable, pretty forgettable fight with Nasruddin Imovov, uh, you know, better performance from Strickland certainly, but it's not something that you hang your hat on. And it's like, wh- why would anyone care? Like why, honestly, why would any of us cared at, cared at that point? Because he's coming off of a string of like eight. Un, like forgettable fights but for the time he got obliterated in you know 74 seconds or whatever that was and then he's not gonna he's not gonna win the title he just got he's just on a two-fight losing streak he just got knocked out four months ago why would anybody be like super into sean strickland at that point in time and then he steps in for the abus thing and that's a bit of a joke because it's Abus is is headlining a fight night car. I'm like, yeah, this is just sort of it. But then the circumstances change. He gets put into a title shot that he didn't deserve, and that's fine to say because he absolutely didn't deserve the title shot. Um, but he's got charisma. Like, there's an it factor to people, and I'm not saying Sean Strickland has you know a Conor McGregor level of stardom in his future, but he has a natural charisma, and so. He's he's a guy with natural charisma who's going to be given a microphone and is fighting for stakes that matter now. Doesn't matter what previously happened. This is a fight that matters, and so you're going to get more pull, more leverage, more interest in him as a result of that. And then he happened to convert it with the best performance of his career. So good on him. Now, before we move on to the Israel Adesanya side of this in round two, Jed, I'm giving you the power of the pencil, at least hypothetically, because this is not... I don't want you to to perceive this as this is what will happen, but what you think should happen. If you had the pencil, who is Strickland's next opponent? Because I know how you feel about immediate rematches, and especially with a one-sided fight like this, you're certainly not into that. So this is what you would do. Is it DDP? Is it the Shemayev Costa winner at 294, which is coming up in right around five weeks' time? How would you do it if you had the pencil right now? This is the world's easiest question. Um, I wish this was our final question because I've fucking nailed this one. Uh, it's Jigas Duplessis. Like I don't – there's just no rational argument um, meritocratically against it. If you want to make an argument over stardom or whatever, and I do not believe this will happen, though I'm holding out some hope that it actually will. Um, I would say smart money says that it doesn't. Uh, rematches are dumb. Immediate rematches are exceedingly dumb. Um, immediate rematches where the fighter is not particularly competitive are woefully dumb. Um, immediate rematches where the champion just got an immediate rematch literally earlier this year borders on uh, maniacal. Like that really feels like, and I think Drickus Duplessis said this uh, speaking with Ariel Hawani yesterday. I think he said, are we just, just make Izzy the champion again if that's it. Like if if every time he loses, he just gets to fight again. If you have to beat him twice for that win, that win to like be real, what are we doing here? Like dudes, dudes one and two in his last three fights. Make him make him fight somebody else. That's just a that's just reasonable. And more to the point, Drakus Duplessis did nothing wrong. 
Trickus Duplessis has done nothing but win since coming to the UFC. He did not have to take the Robert Whitaker fight. He said this yesterday. I could have sat out and probably still gotten to fight Izzy at 293 because that was how it was going to be. But I didn't want to. I wanted to fight Robert Whitaker because I don't want to be a guy who just gets thrown into a title fight. I want to earn it. And I can earned it. And he can earned it, man. Like he beat Robert Whitaker worse than anybody has since Israel Adesanya. Like that's that's it. The case is closed. This man gets to fight for the title, and it's a legitimately captivating fight. The book on DDP's entire career thus far in the UFC has been in his gas tank is questionable. And you're talking about Sean Strickland, who has probably the best cardio in the division. Like, where where do these two dudes match up? It's a, like an actually truly fascinating fight. It I cannot believe this happened, but it has vaulted to the top of my wish list fights that the UFC could put together. I would undeniably be the one I would choose. Rick, are you there as well? Because uh, as we we have discussed, um, this is a what have you done for me lately sport. And if Hamzad Chemaev just melts Paulo Costa or vice versa in five weeks, and there's a very real world where the UFC is just going to wait to see what happens with that fight before they make any decisions. Would you do the same? Would you wait? Or would you just say, nope, we're going DDP and then we'll let the, the tiles fall where they may? Yeah, just one bit of housekeeping. I believe that was Robert Whitaker's comments that uh, that Jed was alluding to, where he just called it silly and said, if every time he loses, we're giving Israel Adesanya an immediate rematch, like this doesn't work. It, it would just defeat the purpose. As I think far DDP as- said it too. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, they're not wrong. So if uh, if every time he loses, it's just a run back, then some something's uh, out of whack. Uh, if I have the pencil, it's going to be the winner of Hamza Chemaev or Apollo Costa fighting uh, Sean Strickland. They are just bigger names. They are going to um, bring more attention to the fight. They are going to be good foils for Sean Strickland. And I'm going to sell more pay-per-views and do better business. And I would hold, uh, I'm not sure if we'll get to what's next for Israel, but I would hold DDP for Israel or the next title opportunity after that. But I would undoubtedly give the next shot to the winner of Hamzad and uh, Paulo Costa. Hey, there's options. There's some very interesting options. And Sean Strickland is the friggin' middleweight champion. The sport is the best. It's the absolute best. We'll move on to the other side of the equation in a matter of moments. But the point for round one goes to... Jed Mishu, one to nothing, close round. I mean, we how really all that is, How sad is Robert Whitaker that he chose to fight DDP? So if he had just been like, can't fight him or whatever, he might be walking himself into a title fight right now. And now he's, for the first time in like 10 years, he's nowhere near the title conversation. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. He's back in the He's back in the picture now because of this win. In my opinion, yeah, but, he's he's not going to get it now. He still has to fight somebody else. But he he could have been a front I, runner to Jed's point, though. He could have been the, oh, the first sure. name you bring up yeah, if you didn't lose. He GDP. would be the dude right now. Yeah, he would just be it. Yeah. But now, like we thought he was done and out of the conversation, especially with Izzy fighting Strickland. Most people thought Izzy was just going to win. Sean's chances of getting back there the were, were, were none. There were none. He there had no none. chance of getting back to that fight. There are now two dudes in front of him who have beat the shit out of him. So I think he's pretty well out of it, but maybe I'm wrong. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, it is the UFC and anything can happen. So let's head to the Israel Adesanya side, New York, Rick, because Adesanya is on the wrong end of a lopsided decision. He didn't get fluke KO'd. There was no banana peel, none of that. This was the first time Izzy was truly dominated in a fight. Yes, yes, he lost a decision to Jan Bohovic at 205. Yes, he was stopped by Alex Pereira in November in a fight that he was three minutes away from winning. But this is the first time he was pillar to posted for the most part. Biggest takeaway on the Izzy side five days later. I know it's you kind of want to hear what was wrong and you kind of feel like it, this wasn't his best night. But this happened. This all played out. This is the biggest one sided loss he's had in his career. Yeah, my my biggest thing was just the comparison. Like, you can look at the fight as a whole and certainly not a great performance for him. It seemed like he did not have answers for Sean Strickland. The events of the first round, I'm sure, affected how he continued the rest of the fight. But for me, it's round five. When when you're, go when you're heading into round five and you're a champion, the caliber of Israel Adesanya, and you're in the position where you have an opportunity to either make something happen in this fight and win the fight or you are assuredly going to lose the fight he didn't opt for winning and that's a situation that he's been in many times and we've seen him opt for winning we've seen him take risks we've seen him take opportunities and against some of the guys who are the most dangerous fighters on the planet say okay i'm gonna choose that i'm i'm here i don't need to you know remind everybody about the kelvin gastelum fifth round where he just laid it all on the line and talked you know you see him mouthing in the pre-fight that he's prepared to die in there and he's mentioned many times going to that place where he's prepared to die that fifth round was not the Israel Adesanya that we have seen before. Um, the rest of the fight is what the rest of the fight is. But when the chips were on the table, Sean Strickland wanted that fight more than him. And that's something that I I need to understand and have answers for. And I'm sure Israel Adesanya is seeking those answers himself as well. Um, but that's where my, my mind goes when I need to think about where Israel Adesanya is in his career and moving forward. Is like what happened in that fifth round when... The fight was up for grabs, not that he was going to win a decision, but there was an opportunity for him to change the fate, and he circled away like he had been doing the first four rounds, and Sean Strickland coasted to a, to a victory. So that's that's the part that st stood out the most to me, is what happened in round five, and where was the urgency that we've seen from Israel Adesanya many times before. Jed, your biggest takeaway, and look, if, if, if you... We're talking Israel Adesanya right now. Let's morph me into the former middleweight champion. What's the first question you ask me? What's the question you need the answer to? 
Oh, that's interesting. First, I'm going to answer that because I want to um, I want to filibuster while I think of the answer to that. I want to respond to New York Rick because he's a brilliant man, um, a scientist, <laughs> a lover, uh, just just a wonderful person. Um, I'll tell you exactly what happened, Rick. I have the answer to your question. Um, he got kicked a whole shitload in the stomach, and that sucks real hard. And that's it. Like Kelvin Gastelum punched him in the face, and that hurt. But he was like, you're – that's just a different mind space to be like, I need to win this fight. I'm willing to die because I am in physical pain, but I am not in like a spiritual, emotional, uh, contemplating my existence pain. And that's what body shots are. And really, Sean Strickland kicked him in the, in the gut just a whole hell of a lot and was relentlessly in his face and making him like move around and just get tired. Like he just was physically and emotionally exhausted from fighting Sean Strickland. And probably there's even a part of it that's like, this is Sean Strickland I'm fighting, right? Like I'm supposed to cook this dude and I'm getting worked over right now. And that probably rattles you to the core as well if you're someone like Izzy. As far as questions I would have for Izzy, if I got to talk to Izzy right now, I don't have a ton of questions about what happens. I feel like at least have a pretty good read on on what was going on there. This isn't really a question for Izzy specifically, and this is more just the question about Izzy, and it is where are you at in your career? Because I said this in the post show, um, and I think that this is really, really, really true. Uh, he's old. He doesn't seem old. He's only 34 or 35, but he has been fighting professionally for like 15 years, something, you know, in that neighborhood. And he's been fighting a lot. He's 113, I think, was the number I counted professional fights in his life. Um, I struggle to think of something I have done 113 times uh, and much less like fist fight people. Um and that's not including camp and preparation. And have you ever watched any of the videos that they put out? The spider drill looks like the worst thing devised by mankind. Like that is just an infinite number of wear and tear. And to me, like I said, I think there's a very real possibility that coming off of this, we're going to look back at this moment in five years and be like, that's when we realized that Izzy had fallen off, that he was no longer the fighter he once was. And now begins the declining period of his career. And I, so I think for him, that would be my question is, how were you feeling in there? Not why didn't you do this, but just how, how did you feel like yourself? Did you feel slower? Because you looked slower. You looked like you couldn't pull the trigger. And honestly, the difference between winning and losing in that fight for him probably simply was pulling the trigger. Again, there were multiple times when Sean Strickland committed two hands to gripping Izzy's lead hand. And like the first time you might be caught off guard, like, I don't even know what the hell's going on here. This is super weird. And the second time it should be like, well, both of his hands are here and I have this open hand and I'm going to ram it into his face as hard as I possibly can and see where that gets me. And it, it never came. And so that's my question is just sort of how did you feel in there? Did you feel normal? Did you feel slow? Was Were you hurt? after the first round, I think is maybe actually the question I would go because I'm willing to believe that he never recovered from getting dropped in the first round. And that's why he looked that way. But other, if that's not the case, then he just old and this is about to be a tough hang for, for him moving forward. 
So I, I understand that question and I understand that being a storyline coming out of this. And Jed, I want to go back to you because you were on the post-fight show and the great Shaheen Al-Shadi nailed it when you said, look, just because a fighter defends his title three, four, five times, we need to pump the brakes on this divisional GOAT conversation because they happen way too often and quite frankly, way too quickly. So I want to add another piece to this because what you said was very fair. We could question whether or not Izzy's kind of on the back nine because yes, he's got a lot of wear and tear. Yes, he's had a lot of fights and father time is undefeated. But can we pump the brakes, Jed, on this reaction that because a fighter lost a fight, then all of a sudden their legacy and their resume before that, that it gets all called into question? Like the reactions about Izzy not being that good to begin with and Eugene Barrowman being an all-time overrated coach because of what happened in this main event, it drives me insane. Like, are you okay, Jed, if we add this to the bill and what have you made of these reactions? Like, just because Izzy loses a fight, it's fair to ask, like, what the future holds. Is this when this is this the crossroads fight for you? And that's understandable. But just to disregard everything he's done up until this point, it's fucking ridiculous, dude. I would agree. Um, I didn't see the Bearman conversation coming, and I don't know where it came from. Um, I I don't know that Eugene Bearman's the best coach in MMA, but he there aren't that many that are ahead of him. Like that's, and that seems ridiculous to even question. Like he's been consistently producing quality fighters for a while now, including, you know, Izzy, who, again, I don't think he's the best middleweight of all time, probably number two, but whatever. Really good fighter. And Behrman is responsible for a lot of that. Didn't see the Behrman conversation coming at all. I'm not really sure how that happened. And that seems real dumb. I'm a little more willing to um, open up the debate on Izzy. I don't think that it's fair. And as you know, my my policy that I recently adopted this year is I will not be engaging in GOAT conversations and about a fighter until that fire is fully retired from the sport because uh, at various points in my fandom, BJ Penn, Fedor Emelianenko, Anderson Silva would probably have been considered the unquestioned greatest fighters of all time had they walked away, and then they stuck around, and now they are often afterthoughts in that conversation. So, uh, But I am at least like willing to just sort of recontextualize his previous fights because that's what happens every time new information comes along doesn't necessarily i'm not saying you should throw the baby out with the bathwater but you can go back and look at other fights contextually I've been like okay well i didn't know this part of izzy's game or maybe this shortcoming and were there just other fighters that never saw it and never exploited it how did any of this make sense and look it might not be all the way fair but the fact of the matter is if you lose a fight in which you are in a massive astronomical betting favorite and literally no one is giving you an opportunity to lose it. Everyone is saying my words and the words, frankly, of other smarter people than me were specifically, I truly don't know how Sean Strickland can win this fight. If you lose a fight like that, you're going to catch it in the teeth and your legacy is going to get, get picked at. And that's, part and parcel of the deal man that's why fighting sucks that's why it's a hard job and it's impossible to stay at the top there are the the higher you go the harder it is to, to keep that footing and so no we shouldn't immediately throw izzy's entire career out but i have a little bit more patience for being like hey let's go back and look at some of those fights and see like how good is he you know where where does he if he were to retire right now stack up and and sort of reevaluate i'm fine with that 
Yeah. And I think there's like certain ways you could present this, but to sort of, yeah, the disregarding of what he did in the past is kind of crazy. And Eugene as well, Rick, your response to this overrated all time talk following this loss and, and what Jed had to say about it. I think goat conversations are the dumbest thing that we engage in, in this sport period. Like, I don't think that it's valuable in any capacity. I think it's just a fan cheering section to root for the guys that you want to root for or denigrate the guys and gals that you don't want to. The people who held that opinion about Izzy um, would have said the same thing before the fight, would have said the same thing definitely after he uh, lost to Alex Pereira. And their opinion has not been swayed by any part of the resume that he submitted. So I think it's kind of disingenuous from those people to begin with and really doesn't isn't affected by this fight in in a strange way they they're just looking for an opportunity to kind of further whatever they have already been saying and just presenting this as evidence as if we're going to engage in this very stupid conversation that i think should never be talked about um i agree with jed that it's kind of fluid it's okay to say like hey is he stock is down after this loss because it is and it should be and if he comes back and wins miraculous uh, um in, in a marvelous like highlight real way it's okay to say his stock is back up and that and that's fine uh as well um i know this conversation isn't going to go away so i'm okay with the fluid nature of it and, and people having it um but if i had my druthers we'd never talk about this again because i think it's dumb Fair. Um, so let's rank the middleweight goats, New York, Rick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, look, the, the fight Tanners happened. Anderson Silva and there's a fucking gap. And then right. it's whoever. And it's, <laughs> it's been that hard. way for, for a hot minute. But uh, So Rick, the fight happens. Adesanya loses, was not close. Dana White speaks to the media afterwards. And despite what he had to say Tuesday, where he dumped on the MMA media for taking his words out of context – scumbag allow me to read you yes a scumbags allow me to read you his exact wording when asked about what could be next and if a rematch should be in play this wasn't hey look if the if izzy wants the rematch we'll talk about it on tuesday no 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 no. he said i think you do the rematch absolutely i think you do the rematch absolutely that's the key word here the rematch is interesting that could be the thing too when you think about adesani going into the Pereira fight such a big fight and you've been in there with this guy so many times and then you overlook strickland you come in and i don't know i don't know the answer to these questions hopefully israel does i think you do the rematch absolutely is what he said so let's just put that out into the universe just judging on what dana had to say on tuesday but we talked about what should be next for sean strickland we have this, I think you do the rematch absolutely coming from Dana White. Will Israel Adesanya's next fight be against Sean Strickland from the UFC's perspective? That's an interesting question because I think timing is at play. I don't think Sean Strickland's next fight will be Israel Adesanya, but I could see a world where Israel Adesanya's next fight is Sean Strickland, um, where Israel, take, Israel takes some extended time off and there's and there starts to be some momentum toward them fighting again. Um what I would do is just force Drickus Duplessis and Israel Adesanya to fight at some point in the in the relatively near future. That fight has legs for um, for all the heat that has already been built up. I understand that it's not what either person would necessarily want first because they are both motivated to get the championship. Although we need to hear from Israel Adesanya, maybe that's not his ambition anymore. Um, but I know that would be, be a detour for Drickus Duplessis. 
but that fight has too much earning potential for it to be foil. Like we were building toward that with this fight. This Sean Strickland fight was supposed to be a stop along the way to that fight. That that was supposed to be, well, gee, Israel, you know, got it done in Sydney and we sold some tickets and now we're on to the real fight that we all wanted and we lost it. I would not take that chance again. I would make sure that Israel Adesanya and Drikas Duplessis fight each other in their next fights. And we do we don't miss the opportunity to have that fight, especially as Israel Adesanya has alluded to the idea that his time in this sport is limited. He he may not uh, be seeking um, a return to the to the top of the division and, and championships. Maybe he's just seeking those big money fights. And the biggest money fight for him right now, in my opinion, is Drikas Duplessis. There is a built-in storyline there. So that's what I would do if I were the UFC. I would book those two. And unfortunately, Drikas looks, sorry, you got to get one more in and, and we can get you a title shot next. He was pretty candid in in his interview with Ariel in the MMA hour and saying like he knows that there's other contenders out there he thinks he has the best resume he definitely does in my estimation have the best resume but ultimately the UFC is not in that game anymore where meritocracy rules and and resumes are all that matters so for me Israel Adesanya versus Drikas Duplessis do not miss the boat on this figure out a way to do it in Africa and take advantage of the heat that's already been built before it dissipates we, we already had three African champions and missed the boat on that and that was a colossal mistake in my opinion don't miss the boat on this one more time jed we talked on the post fight show about is he you know maybe taking some time off let's kind of take a break from all the activity disappear from the mma world for a minute collect yourself come back maybe next summer sometime second half of 2024 and let people sort of miss you or at least someone would be intrigued again that you're fighting because i think that's kind of a problem as well is that he's just been out there over and over and over again it wears on him and i think it wears on the fans too because his personality isn't for everybody but whether you want to see it whether it's it's not obviously your first second or third choice this rematch is an option it's absolutely an option according to dana white dana white will he ultimately this is from your perspective looking inside the ufc you're on the outside looking in do you believe if you had to bet money that they're just going to run this one back next? Will Sean, will Israel Adesanya's next fight be against Sean Strickland? No. And let me tell you why, because Mike, I have made a great purchase in my life and it's a crystal Ooh. ball. And now I can see the future. I, it is, it's a fantastic device to have. Um, I foolishly, I just, I didn't use it for 293. I was like, I don't need to see the future. This is so obvious. Izzy's going to win. I did use it um, to, you know, correctly foretell that uh, Sean O'Malley was going to beat up on Aljamain Sterling. And I was like, put it in the closet, brought it back out afterwards. And let me tell you exactly how things are going to unfold. I'm sorry, Ricky, you're just wrong. Um, your heart's in the right place. You're a good guy. Um, but you're wrong. So what's going to happen is the UFC is going to book Drickus Duplessis versus Sean Strickland because they're going to need the fights. You know, we've, we still have a December pay-per-view that uh, is lacking a headliner. Sean Strickland's never going to say no to turning around. Drickus Duplessis is, is ready to go functionally. Seems like that's an easy one to make. Izzy's going to take a little bit of time off, you know, just go back to the drawing board, recuperate for a little bit. They're going to go, all right, let's just do it. Um, and then also there's, you know, a little piece of it where Dana gets to come out and be like, see the, the crooked media out here telling lies that I said we were doing a rematch. Look, I'm doing this fight. We're going to get that. DDP is going to run through Sean Strickland because apparently he's the greatest middleweight of all time and we just aren't aware of it yet. He's going to beat up on Sean Strickland and then 
next year we will get DDP versus Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight title. The the roles will be reversed, and it probably won't be in Africa, um, even though they should do that. But you know, but that's that's what the crystal ball is telling me is that. 2024, you know, uh, spring, maybe early summer, Duplessis versus Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight title. That's Izzy's next fight. Well, I don't know how much you paid for the crystal ball, but uh, hopefully it was a good purchase. We'll see if it happens, and you might get yourself another moral victory on the program here, Jad. But let us move on. I, I traded three beans for it. Does it, does it just have a Hamza blind spot, or what, what's happening to Hamza in that crystal ball? No, uh, so you see Hamzat's cool, right? Um, because like three years ago when COVID was happening, it was dope. He fought all the time. And then he just fucking disappeared and never fights anymore. So regardless of what happens with Paulo Costa, I didn't actually ask the crystal ball. He's probably not going to fight for another year because he wants to squander all of the momentum that he had. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just push back on the idea that like this was his choice to not fight for a while, but but the rest of it I I can understand. Uh, it is frustrating, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that was by Hamzat's uh, own design. On uh, all I on know is here. two years ago I was saying Hamzat Chimaev is going to be the UFC welterweight champion, and now it's 2023 and he's not even in that weight class. And knock on wood, will at least fight this year. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, my crystal ball says a little something different than uh, than that about Hamza. Ooh, the battle of crystal balls. We'll see whose crystal ball is more valuable. But we will move on uh, to Noche UFC, ladies and gentlemen. The point for round two goes to... This week's Prince of Positivity, New York Rick. It's one-to-one. Good round. I mean, this is... You guys are just bringing the... Bringing the thunder this week. It's great. Uh, just like the UFC. Back to Vegas. No, we're not at the Apex. We are back at the T-Mobile Arena. Noche UFC. This is not a pay-per-view, but on paper, this might actually be a top-to-bottom better card than UFC 293 was. But in the main events, Jed Mishu, and I hate to bring back bad memories, but we get the rematch. Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. You are well aware of what happened the first time these ladies fought. Your bank account is well aware of what happened the first time these ladies fought. But now we are a little over 48 hours away from the rematch, Jed Mishu. Excitement levels for the flyweight championship rematch between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Um, I don't know. Kind of. <laughs> I think I'd, I think I'd be more interested in this if um, I didn't have PTSD from the first go around. So that would probably help me a little bit, but um, it's weird. I am interested in this fight because it's a great fight and it matters. I th- Does anyone think this is going to win fight of the night or be like particularly fun? The first fight wasn't all that fun. It just had this incredible moment in it. Um, I think it's fairly unlikely that we get like an incredible moment like that again, though if that happens, it will certainly up the the value of this this particular endeavor. But instead, we're just going to get a high-level fight um, that's probably fairly low on action. And so I respect it, and I'll certainly you know be tuning in, but it's not one that I'm like, I can't – I cannot wait to watch Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje fight each other again. Can you guys imagine the carnage that's about to be unleashed inside the octagon? That's that's not what this is. So um, main event is really good. 
the rest of this card is fine. Um, totally get what they're driving at here, and we'll see how that hits and plays for them, for the UFC that is. But, uh, you know, I, I have debated whether this gets a Mashulin star for this card. I think we're at one. I think we're at one. But, yeah, not. I'm not, like, super amped, but should be a good little Saturday night. Rick, are your excitement levels a little higher than Jed's? Are you kind of traveling right around the same lane as Mr. Mishu? I think I'm a little higher than Jed. Um, I, I really want to see what what is next for Valentina Shevchenko. Like I, this this could be the changing of a guard, or it could be a back to normal, like we kind of have seen in the past. Um, is this Leon Edwards, or is this Israel regaining the title after the Alex fight? Like I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing where one of our best female fighters of all time kind of lands and, and what's next for her. And it does feel like this is one of those where the UFC is like, Hey, we're giving you a chance to correct history, Valentina, if you've still got it. And if you don't, the young guard is going to take over and Alexa Grasso is going to have some fun matchups ahead of her at flyweight. Um, so yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested. I feel like this is a true turning point for the UFC's flyweight division, or it becomes a return to, to the old guard where Valentina's the, the queen again. And now she's got some young, exciting, um, fun up and coming challenges. So this feels to me significant. And, uh, I'm interested in that. There are stakes here that I don't think a lot of the fights at UFC 293, since that was one of your points of comparison had. Um, and this one has some stakes. So yes, I'm, I'm interested in this to, to a relatively high degree. Would you say New York Rick, that it is super obvious that Valentina Shevchenko needs to win this fight more? Like I understand the revenge factor. And again, we're having the same, we could be having the same conversation that people are having about Israel Adesanya. If she goes out and loses to Alexa Grasso again, is it Shevchenko? uh, Is this obvious that Shevchenko needs this more to exercise the demons and get back on track and sort of remind people of this reign of terror that she's had? She's very focused. Uh, She's, Got, she's scaring some media members because of this focus and the look in her eyes as she responds to questions or is it Alexa Grasso to prove, you know what, this wasn't a fluke. This wasn't her having a bad night. I'm the best flyweight in the world. I just beat her twice. It's beyond question. Now time for the new guard to roll. Is it obvious that Shevchenko needs this more or can you make a case that Grasso needs this more? I would argue Grasso needs it significantly more because this, her first win, if she does not win on Saturday will be washed away as a fluke. Um, now there's, there's exceptions to the circumstance where that happens as an example, right? Alex Pereira, uh, has beaten Israel many times before, uh, in kickboxing and then he wins an MMA and then loses, but it didn't feel like a correction of history, right? It didn't feel like, oh, this was a blip and, and we've kind of gone on the same track. In addition to that, he was so big that he had options to go up to light heavyweight and now he's chasing a title in that division. And it seems like he will be in, in the next title fight for that division, Whereas if you're Alexa Grasso, if she loses to Valentina Shevchenko, I don't think they do a third one. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But there's some there's some contenders at flyweight. I think that would have an issue with that. Um, but it would feel more like, well, Valentina had a bad night and Alexa caught her and now we move on. And, and Alexa Grasso may get back to the title, may not. Uh, but I think that win will be wiped away as a fluke, uh, unfortunately, if if she does not win on Saturday night. So I think that is a very, very important fight for her. Whereas if Valentina, if Valentina loses again, it's one of those situations like we've seen with Joanna and Jacek where Rose Namajunas just has your number. Like that's what it is. Great. It was the second fight was more competitive, but 
you, this person just has, has something over you that they're going to be able to hold and your legacy is set. And Valentina is one of the greatest of all time. There's, there's nothing to me that I think needs uh, to be proven by her anymore. Um, so it's, it's, le- it's legacy on the line for Alexa Grasso. And I don't think it's legacy on the line for Valentina Shevchenko. So I think just the, the larger picture stakes, there's a lot more, um, in in Alexa Grasso's corner that she needs this fight she to to make sure that everybody knows she's here to stay. Chad, do you agree with that? That Grasso needs this one more than Shevchenko does. Um yeah, I think so. Um for basically the reasons that uh Ricky outlined, you know. Like one, you can never take away what happened, one of the biggest upsets of all time. Um incredible submission victory. She gets to be champ forever and that that never goes away, but one of the many reasons I hate immediate rematches is they uh, cheapen the first victory in a lot of ways by basically making it so it doesn't count. Either the one that counts is the rematch. Well, Leon Edwards, you know, got lucky to beat Kamar Usman, but then he just beat him. And so that second one, I was like, oh, Leon's just good. He beat him. Um, whereas really, we should view that first one in that light and not just um, as a fluke which I think a lot of people do. The same thing's going to prove true here. Like if, if Grasso loses, then she got lucky. And if she wins, well, then she didn't get lucky, but it, that's not the one that matters. It's the second one because that really proved that she's better or whatever. So um, I think for that reason, yeah, it, it just is because if Grasso loses, we're going to write her off the way Juliana Pena is written off right now. I, I wrote about this this week and I, the, the difference between Juliana Pena and her upset and Holly Holm and her upset of Ronda Rousey and how we view those, um, a lot of that to me is tied into the immediate rematch. And so in this instance, yeah, I think Grasso is the one who has a lot, whereas because if Shevchenko loses, her legacy is set. She's the greatest women's flyweight of all time, uh, one of the greatest female fighters of all time. This will just be, okay, yeah, like Izzy, she's been fighting for 20 years. She has hundreds of professional fights under her belt and time caught up to her because that's how time works, unfortunately. So yeah, I think Grasso has got more to lose here. So Jed putting on the spot, are you going with the one Michelin rating for, for this card? Because I'm, I'm looking at it from a betting perspective. There's only three fights on this card where the favorite is less than minus 200. And that's the main event. It's the co-main event between Jack Della Maddalena and Kevin Holland. And it's the, unfortunately buried flyweight fight between Tracy Cortez and Jazz and Jazz which is maybe outside of the co-main event. And you could even make a case that this is the second most, the, the second biggest fight in terms of stakes in divisional rankings on this entire card. But seems like we're going to get a lot of squash matches according to the, to the betting odds at this point. So we're sticking with the one. And if so, why? I think we're sticking with the one. Um, I mean, it's certainly not a two. I would not take a special trip to see this card. Um, but if I were in Vegas, you know, I would take a break from from the tables for a little bit and be like, hey, let's go watch some people fist fight. The college football slate on Saturday is pretty bad. Um, so, you know, it's not like I need to stay at a bar and watch uh, a good football game. This is this is a one. Um, 
just gets over that hurdle. And certainly if something, you know, monumental happens in the main event, then looking back, we'll be really happy we went. But even if not, you have a main event with like real tangible stakes that are like very, very significant fight. You have a co-main event that is going to be incredibly fun and could be fairly significant. I have some real concerns about uh, Jackie three names. Um, and then you, the rest of it is just the vibe, you know, it's, Mexican Independence Day, you're going to have a bunch of Mexican and Mexican heritage fighters getting after it. Like, that's a good scene. Fight uh, a fight weekend on Mexican Independence Day in Vegas. That That's a thing worth going to. So one star. Rick, how are you grading Noche UFC? Yeah, I'm at like an 8 out of 10. I'm, I'm excited about this card. I like, I like what's happening here. To Jed's point, the vibes are immaculate, right? Like you think about the Vancouver, was it Vancouver? The, the UFC 289, the one that yep. was um, in Canada and it didn't have, you know, a ton of um, stakes in, in all of the fights, but what it did have is momentum and fighters that the crowd could get behind. And I feel like this, the energy in the building is going to be great. There are some fights that have stakes. There's the excitement of the co-main event, which I am very, very excited about as the world's number one Kevin Holland fan. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I, I, not all in, because that would be 10 out of 10. So I misspoke there. But I'm, I'm relatively committed to, to this card. I, I'm giving it an 8 out of 10, and I tend to be a harder grader. Uh, but this one being for free for me feels like a UFC fight night of the past, like not the ones we've been getting lately. This this feels like it has some something real here. So uh, eight out of ten, excited for it, and uh, the main event's awesome. And eleven fights, nice tight eleven fights. It's a good number. It's a very very good number. And shout out to the UFC. Uh, Alexa Grasso's custom made title belt is friggin' sick. Like well done. Absolutely well. Do done. more of that shit, man. Do more of that shit. Hundred uh, percent. Remember, by the way, oh, somebody ahead, made please. this. Somebody made this joke, and I get that this could be fraught, but uh, part of me desperately wants to see Sean Strickland with a red, white, and blue UFC belt. Like that just feels right in the sweet spot, you know. He should just make his own belt. I think that would be incredible. Like you, I don't, he just I'm, creates his own. I'm not confident this man is artistic enough to make his own belt, but he could commission <laughs> his own belt. We, we just saw UFC and WWE merge to become TKO. And is that, that not a staple? Man. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is that not a staple of WWE? Is like there was a guy with a spinner belt, the Stone Cold belt had a skull on it. Like, let's just, let's just open this up. Let's just have the, the champions having custom belts all the time. Let them do what they want with it and uh, add some personality and flavor back into this. Dude, we get Leon Edwards with a, I mean, I guess you could do the Jack, but I think you just go with, with the red and white, you know, like that's sick. Pantoja obviously also gets a belt. Like there's, Volkanovsky, give Volkanovsky like a, a blue and yellow. Like these, it's fucking sick. Do that. Why aren't we doing that? We should absolutely so do that. I love that idea. Uh, here, we could talk. Uh, clip clip oh, this please. and send it to the UFC because here's my pitch. All right. So instead of having this uniform belt um, that is cool or whatever, think about how many more replica belts you can sell if every champion get, gets their own international flavored one. So instead of just selling a $1,000 replica UFC title, you can sell a $1,500 replica Alexander Volkanovsky UFC title. That's just better business for you. Uh, please and thank you. Well said. 
Let's move on. We're not going to talk about the merger. We're not going to talk. Elator is in the news, ladies and gentlemen. No, they have not been sold, at least not yet, but we'll talk about it. Some big news on the MMA hour yesterday. We'll get into very quickly. Point for round three goes to... I mean, New York Rick just selling this Noche UFC card like an absolute savage. It's two to one for main event Ricky. But that just sets the table for Jed because we get to talk about his favorite thing. Bellator back in the news. Uh, if you watched the MMA hour yesterday, we were wondering heading into the MMA hour yesterday, was Bellator 300 that's coming up? Is that going to be the end of it all? Or is another merger going to happen? Are they going to merge with the PFL and leave Bellator kind of wondering how all of us wondering like what the hell is going to happen here but then we found out bellator 301 is going to happen it's going to happen in november it's going to happen in chicago a lot of fights are announced but we're going to focus on the top four amasov versus jackson for the welterweight title that's the main event we have the sergio pettis patchy mix bantamweight title unification bout we have a lightweight grand prix fight between patricky pitbull and alexander shabley and we have the rematch 11 months in the making between rafian stats and the Italian gangster, Danny Sabatello. New York Rick, we begin with you. These top four fights, this announcement, you gave an 8 out of 10 to Noche UFC. What are you grading these top four fights for Bellator 301 as it stands? If uh, if that was an 8 out of 10, this is a 10 out of 10. If And, and let, me, let me be clear. I'm grading on a, on a what is Bellator capable of scale, not necessarily across the global landscape. This is as good as Bellator can do. Uh, I mean, outside of AJ McKee being on this card, like this is the best, and they've got a lot of champions tied up um, for for Bellator 300. Like Sergio Pettis versus Patchy Mix, that's the fight. That's the fight that I care about in Bellator the most. Uh, seeing Amasov fight again, all for it. Like the dude is awesome, one of the best welterweights in the world. So um, it does it for me. It's interesting that you said top three because I will say the fourth one, Stotts and Sabatello, like just not interested even a little bit. Like they're going to do the same like talking gimmick and that's great. And I'm sure there's some people that are going to be excited about it. That fight sucked. Uh, nobody writes more checks that their ass can't catch than Danny Sabatello. Like he talks about violence and killing people and all this stuff that never comes to fruition. Not interested in, in going down that road again. Um, but they'll sell it. They'll they'll do they'll do their job and why they're on the card. But for me, the top three are great and specifically uh Pettis and uh Patchy Mix. I absolutely love that. And the MMA fighting global rankings, those are the the number six and the number five bantam weights. Uh, interestingly enough, I think we have uh, Patchy above Sergio, even though Pettis is, is the champion and, and Patchy is the interim champion. Uh, but an absolutely great fight uh, across any promotion. That that's one of the best fights that you can make. So I'm 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 giving Bellator some props here. Like I think 301 is is legitimately compelling, um, and uh, I'm interested to watch it. And and that that co-main for the moment is is amazing. Chad, we're going to make some history right here on BTL. We're going to do something we've never done before because this is a new thing. This this came to light right before uh, Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, that BTL we did while I was in Dallas, when, we, when you invented the Michelin scale and the Michelin rating system. For the first time, we're going to put a Bellator card to the test for the Michelin rating scale. How many stars does this one get with these top four fights? I mean, this is a solid two. Um, I don't think, you know, I'd, I'd fly across country for this, but, um, 
not entirely out of the question. Uh, it, it's probably closer to three stars than it is to one. This is certainly two. Chicago, I mean, if I'm in Chicago, no doubt about it, I'm going. If I'm like in the general middle of the country, I'm probably going to take the road trip and go. Uh, fight card's awesome, man. It's a really, really good fight card. Uh, look, Pettis Mix is... Uh, Rick said, you know, I think those are top five dudes in the uh, MMA fighting global rankings at at the second best weight class in the world. That's just gangbusters, right? Uh, Main event, I mean, look, Yaroslav Amosov is one of the best welterweights alive. He's probably going to hustle Jason Jackson, but Jason Jackson has been putting in that work um, on like a really good win streak right now. And he so deserves it. I'm okay with that. Patricky Chablis is the worst fight of all of these ones that we're talking about, but it's still a fine fight and it's part of the Grand Prix. So that's that. And then, yes, Rick is correct. Um, Danny Sabatello is not what you would call offensively potent, Um, but (laughs) he is good at talking about some things. We're running back this rematch. And the critical part about this rematch is it's not five rounds of Danny Sabatello hugging him. It's just going to be 15 minutes of Danny Sabatello hugging uh, Ralphie and Stotts. And so that's a much more palatable amount of that. And then afterwards, Danny Sabatello will probably say something cool. Or if he loses again, then Ralphie and Stotts will uh, say something probably not cool, but like not awful. Like he'll just say something disrespectful and mean, and people tend to like that. And then the rest of it, Daniel James headlined a Bellator event earlier this year, and he's the fifth dude up. Like he's he's the main card opener as it sits right now. That's how you know Bellator putting all their eggs in these two, the 300 and 301 baskets. Because DJ was was headlining a fight like a I don't know, Bellator 294 or something earlier this year. So and the undercard, I mean, yes. I'm certain by the time this event rolls around, we'll have like 18 fights and they will be papering that arena with like local fighters or whatever. But as it sits right now, all of the fights are meaningful. All the fights matter. This is Bellator at its best. Two stars. Yeah, I I've, I like the prelim fights too. Denise Kielholtz, Samiko Nava good. is a good fight. Yeah, Kizriev Gonzalez is a good fight. Fortune is Mamadov. Yeah. Is Mamadov kills Mota is a great fight. Um, Last thing I want to touch on this because and, and look, this is very positive news. And Jed, I want to start with you. Why is the best fight on the car not the main event again? What like what does Sergio Pettis need to do to be in a main event? Because Patricio Pitbull was about to vie for a third was was trying to become a three division champion, something that hasn't been done in major MMA ever. And it was the co-main event. And again, this is the best fight Bellator can make right now outside of maybe Usman Nurmagomedov versus AJ McKee. And we don't know what's going on with AJ at this point. How is this the co-main? Like, how is this the co-main event? It's in Chicago, not that far from Milwaukee where Sergio Pettis is from. Like, how is this not the main event? It's crazy to me. Uh, because they wanted to put two fight title fights on this, and I, I don't actually have any issue with it. Like I get, I get the idea and the pushback, and it, this is a better fight than the main event. But I think Yaroslav Amosov has done more to deserve our respect than just about any other fighter in Bellator, you know, history. Um, and so, yeah, like if this were them putting Ryan Bader over, like I, I'd have a little more umbrage with something like that, but. I think I have your. I think I have Amosov like the number two or number three 
welterweights in the world right now. Like this dude's as good as it gets. So having him take the top billing, I'm I'm fine with. Um, even if I understand the the reflexive reaction to this. You make a good point about Amosov. He has gone through a lot, and I yeah. think he his stock rose quite a bit with that. Dude, he's twenty seven and zero. I'm looking storily. No, I get it. It just he's twenty seven and zero. I don't care yeah. if you're fighting newspaper boys and geriatric <laughs> old men. Twenty seven and zero is just not fucking possible to do. I said this the entire Habib run that nobody gave him enough credit for that because it does. It truly doesn't matter that like not all of them were elite competition. Yeah, that's sort of what happens in fighting. It's just an impossible thing. It's like it's 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 a bit like being a champion the whole time. Because once you are at twelve and zero, then everybody wants to take it. You hear that? I'll be the guy who's going to take his O. You are take getting the best shot out of freaking everybody you fight every time out. Because they, there is something tangible about it. 27-0 is ridiculous, and I'm totally fine putting him in the top spot of any card he is on. You make a great argument. Uh, New York Rick, did they get this right? Was, should Amazon's Jax be the main event, or should Pettis Mix be the main event? Yeah, earlier I pointed to one of my pet peeve conversations, GOAT conversation, as being dumb and one we need to stop having. Card... Construction is another one that I just think is one of the dumbest conversations that's ever been put forth. Who cares? What is the relevance of whether he's fighting second on the night or last on the night? Most people would rather fight first, get their fight over and get out of there. Uh, from a fighter perspective, a lot of them talk about like having to wait around and would rather fight earlier. It's dumb. Nobody cares. The fighters don't care. Being the main event is cool. So if you want to bestow that honor upon somebody, great. They're both going to be on the poster. If promotions wanted to start doing a thing where the real main event was the main event, as an example, right? Like Conor McGregor goes above title fights. Or in this case, we put Pettis and Patchy Mix above Amasov. Who are people here to see actually fight? I'd have no problem with it, but I also have no problem with it as currently constructed. The idea that people, fans in particular, care about like my favorite fighters in the main event or my favorite fighters in the co-main event is the most like loser behavior ever. It's useless. It's silly. Don't waste your time thinking about it. The fighters aren't. You shouldn't either. Wow. I feel lower than dirt right now because I want... Pettis and Mix to be the main event. I think Sergio deserves it, but so does Amazon. Except, except for you, Mike. You're yeah, you're you're the exception. Yeah, go go beat feet, New York Rick. Let's give Jed the point. Just play the music. Just play the damn music. Play it. Play the music. Unbelievable. Jed is saying things, and nobody in the world can hear it. Not one person in the world can hear what he's saying. Saying Ricky just heaved it to me like I'm a Jets defensive back and he's Josh Allen. I mean, Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Ariel, but that was a tough watch. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen's best on that. And well, because of because of New York Rick's butt fumble, a la Mark Sanchez, uh, we're going to the knockout round. A shocking revelation here on the program. It has only happened ninety nine point seven percent of the time on the show, so uh, very low statistical numbers. But not every time. Yes, the only time it didn't happen is when Jed hosted and he was the Sean Strickland of BTL and just threw all the rules and all the rankings out the window. Everything <laughs> just went to went away. But 
We're also Who's throwing the, the regular rule set out the window because the knock-around question is not com- coming from me. It's coming from you, one of you anyways. So let's bring in uh, the Honorable EKC Leiden. There he is with right. the sleeveless shirt, making us all feel guilty about our physical fitness. Casey, do we have a – actually, before we do that, Jed, do you want to go first or second before you find out what the question is? Uh, I'll go first. It's fine. Okay. Unless my memory fails me, I haven't lost in a while. I feel like I feel okay. like Ricky. Me not. I'll me defer. Not getting I'll the, defer the coin toss. Rick me can not choose. getting I the choice care. here. But you I'll know what? Defer. In the interest of of collaboration and me enjoying being here so much and your veteran Rick, status on the show, I'd be happy for you to choose. So whatever you choose, Rick, whatever you just I'm said, def- we're gonna go with Rick, that. Rick, do you want to go first or not? I don't. I care. have no preference. I want to do what you want to do, Jed, because okay, we're friends and first. I love you, bud. Okay. I mean, stick to the gimmick, New York, Rick. You're either the main event or you're not, and you don't seem to care. So, Casey, do we have a question? Do we have a good, compelling knockout question? Or do I need to stall for time I'm, while you find one? Can we stall a little bit? I'm still looking. I'm still looking for the, the, the perfect question. So, okay. Rick, I'm going to say that I need to go first because there was a lightning strike about 50 feet from my apartment. <laughs> so I have no idea how long my internet's going to hold up. Uh, we can got you imagine if, light, if lightning handed New York Rick the title? Mother Nature just screws over Jed. That would be compelling television right there. Dude, it was one of those ones you could see it. Like the, I was like, oh, okay, well, good to know. The forces of good are, are in action right now. We're going to see if the good guys get this done. Still looking, Casey? I slapped you. I, can, I, I slapped okay. you. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good you, question. You, you can uh, word it. You can we you can make it fancy with the words you use, but yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the words. But yeah, all right. Basically, uh, it has been slacked. Do we know who sent this question? Spencer Hopkins. Okay, Spencer, Spencer. Hopkins. Uh, Jed. So we begin with you. You get one minute to respond to this, and then New York Rick will get to do the same. As we know, and as we talked about for about 30 minutes, Sean Strickland is the middleweight champion of the world, Jed Mishu. Sean what? Strickland beat, beat Israel Adesanya. He is the middleweight champion of the world. And that has led to all different discussions and how long this reign will last and so forth and so on. So we're going to play a little game. Uh, we're going to do some futures right now. But it's not going to be December 31st of the year of our Lord 2024. Uh, September 14th, 2024. Who will be the UFC middleweight champion of the world. And how does this happen? One minute on the clock, go. I mean, this feels unfair because I have a crystal ball and I don't (laughs) believe Rick has one of those. So Rick's just going to have to make something up and hope he can be compelling with it. Whereas I'm just going to tell you the future and already did tell you the future. Drickus Duplessis will be winning the middleweight title at the end of the year. Come December, he and Sean Strickland, DDP is going to get it done. Then next next year, maybe at UFC 300 even, we get DDP versus Israel Adesanya. And let me tell you, folks, I've been saying it since I said DDP was going to beat Robert Whitaker. I stick by it, particularly from what we saw this past weekend. Nothing changed my mind. DDP beats Israel Adesanya. He's the one who lost out this weekend because he didn't get to be the guy to do that to Izzy, but he's going to beat him. And maybe by September, he is booked to fight Hamzat Shemaev, but the fight hasn't happened yet. But then Hamzat does win the belt in October. 
of 2024. Abu Dhabi, all right. All right, New York Rick. I kind of feel like we know where where you may be going here based on oh, yeah. how you have laid out the middleweight division. And I believe it's a name that Jed may have said towards the end. But September 14th, 2024, New York Rick, one minute or less, who is going to be the UFC middleweight champion of the world? Is it still going to be Sean Strickland? Could we see a – is this the beginning of a magical run or is it not? One minute on the clock, go. I'm going to start here with an admission. And that admission is that I don't know anything about MMA. Um, everything that I thought I knew about MMA has been questioned this year, Every, or maybe the last couple of years. Everything that I thought and held to be true no longer was true, but there is one absolute, and that is that Hamzat Shemaev is the baddest dude walking this earth, and come uh, this year, Hamzat Shemaev is going to beat Paulo Costa, and then at the start of next year, Hamza Chumayev is going to beat whoever is the middleweight champion. I'm assuming it will be Sean Strickland at that time. And whoever that is, I feel bad because they were just a stepping stone to the Hamza Chumayev era, which will then continue past September. Uh, This this could go on for a few years, um, for as long as he decides he wants it, until he blows up and decides he's going to be a light heavyweight at that time. So the Hamza Chumayev uh, era begins sometime next year, and by September of 2024, it will have continued, and Hamza Chumayev will be the middleweight champion of the UFC. All right. One side on DDP, one side on Hamza Chumayev. That's what, that's what makes this conversation so interesting right now based on the results of UFC 293. So uh, cast your votes. Vote in the chat right now. Is it Jed Mishu for his pick of DDP? Is it New York Rick for his pick of Hamza Chumayev and for him picking apart the questions on this program? It is up to you to decide. Uh, While we wait for your votes to be cast, quick programming note, tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, we'll do another heck of a morning, free for all Friday, all sorts of fun. And then, folks, this doesn't happen all that often, but you're going to get another weigh-in show. That's right. I believe it's at noon Eastern. A.K. Lee is so excited about this. Jose is in Las Vegas for Noche UFC. I believe he gets there later on today. And we'll have a weigh-in show. We'll have a preview show at 3 p.m. Eastern as well to get you ready for this card. We'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show. Uh, we'll have all the winner reactions because Jose will be in the building for Noche UFC. And I believe we're going to be doing – we're going to give you options after the event. You can either watch the post-fight press conference or you can watch the post-fight show. You can watch them both at the same time. That's the magic of MMAfighting.com. As Jed likes to say, great, great website. And then on to the next one on Sunday to matchmake following – Noche UFC, and then the circle goes round and round. We get you ready for one more Apex card, and then we actually have a rare weekend off from UFC action the last weekend of September. So, Casey. Ooh. How many weeks in a row is this going to be? Like, once the 23rd comes, which is a good one. That's a pretty decent card, too. Not enough the, weeks. Uh, more weeks. 17? I actually think it's like 16. Um, I'll count it <laughs> up right now. That's incredible. It's a lot. What a fun time, Sean. Sorry, it's 17 is correct. Fizzy of Gamrod is the 17th event because it was the full summer run. So, yeah. 17. Uh, The last last break we had was the last week of May. It was June 3rd through uh, September 23rd. Straight gas. I remember when Brendan Fitzgerald was was commentating the fight night card like right after that. And he was like, by the way, guys, 17 straight weeks, it's coming. And we're like, no way. It was like, there's there's like a few dates that aren't 
that aren't open. And then like a week later, we close them all off. So 17 straight weeks, you get a one week breather and then we're back at it again. When is Contender Series wrapping? Is that, that wrapping soon or does that? That wraps in October. That? that wraps. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, There's still October some. 10th. October 10th is the last Contender Series. There's four more episodes. 19, 26, October 3rd, October 10th. For those real there degenerates out there, there's something to scratch your UFCH. Dude, that Contender Series card on Tuesday was awesome. It was a really, yeah, really fun. good. Really good one. Excellent. You can just go to Fight Pass and watch old events if you're really in need. Yeah. Now we can go back and watch Robbie Lawler fights again and get caught back up. All right, Casey, who uh, wins? Oh, go ahead, Jen. I'll say I have a hint. You might want to go one more minute. One more minute. You might want to go back and Guys, watch the fight. We do this of- every single time I'm on. Vote for Jed and let's get out of here. I got places to be. Like, why do we have to come to this point every single time I'm on? Vote for Jed. The storm, what's right, the storm and is let's, getting harder. I may get knocked out. So you may, you may get yes. a late TKO, Ricky. Though. Send him off the, 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 the lightning striking. Send him off with a win and let's get out of here. I, I got places to be, folks. Come on. Do the I right thing the already. Love the gimmick. Are we have we closed the voting, Casey? Yeah. Did Thunder just rumble outside of your house? Yeah, I, is that Thunder? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, 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 heard, I, heard, I, heard, uh, I thought I thought I pressed the. Uh, I thought, <laughs> thought that was the sound effect I hit. <laughs> All right. Your winner today with fifty-seven percent of the votes is. Wasn't even close. Jed Mishu. Whoa, look at that. Mother Nature prevails. Or maybe it's New York Ricks just giving nature. Wow. Jed, before your power goes out, what do you want to say in reaction to this victory? Uh, it's great to be here, guys. You know, I, lo- I just love to compete. Um, and if, you know, you're bored, uh, I would say maybe maybe go back and start watching some fights of the one and only great undefeated fighter UFC champion because we might have a damn coming out about him or her uh, at the beginning of October. Ooh, interesting. The Nico Montano story. I'm very excited for this. Very excited for it. <laughs> uh, That's it. Greg, That's the one. <laughs> how do we feel about this? I, I know you're happy. You told people to vote for Jed, so they get you got what you wanted. I, I'm glad they finally listened to me. It was my absolute <laughs> honor and pleasure to be here. Jed is such a worthy adversary. I'm so happy to have been able to compete with him, but truly not a competition because he is levels above me and everybody else that he's able to compete with. Um, what a blessing. Jed, hope you're safe there um, in the inclement weather. We're all pulling for you. And uh, yeah, just just <laughs> truly, truly a special time in MMA and a truly a special day for me to be able to hang out with you guys. Um, blessed. That's the only way I could describe it. Just, just blessed. Casey, hit the music. I mean, this, we're never going to have a more positive exit to this program ever, and it's incredible. Congratulations to Jed. Congratulations, to New York. Rick. Congratulations to us all that we could all be a part of such a momentous occasion. But we'll be back next week to do it again to react to Noche UFC and all the craziness that this sport has to offer. For New York, Rick. For Jed Mishu, Casey on the ones and twos. The iconic voice of Esterlin takes you home. We're back next week. I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Love y'all.
This has been Between the Links, an MMA Fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.